Hello and welcome to the B2B Sales Playbook Podcast, brought to you by Lead Forensics. I am your host, Joe Ducaro. This episode is another from our new webinar series, B2B Superpowers, and this one is all about how to handle negotiating nightmares. I was joined by returning guest Mike Manzi from Official Sales Tips to discuss superhero tactics of negotiating to success and what opportunities to look out for during your conversations. Mike also reveals exactly how he reads the minds of people he's negotiating with. So, without further ado, here is Mike Manzi on how to handle negotiating nightmares. Negotiation nightmares loom like formidable supervillains, ready to test the mettle of salespeople and businesses alike. These dastardly foes present a series of treacherous obstacles and difficulties capable of impeding even the mightiest negotiators from achieving their heroic objectives. Successfully navigating negotiation nightmares require a combination of skill, preparation, and effective negotiation strategies. So, Mike, before we've even picked up the phone, we need to super suit up and prepare for the mission. What's the preparation process for going into a negotiation? Yeah, absolutely. So to get your spidey senses ready, what you want to do is first take a look at some of the historical data on the deal to understand what is the likelihood that they're going to push back. So is there going to be an issue? Do I need to actually bring my weapons with me? The second thing you, you want to do is you want to figure out what is the likely pushback you're going to get. Now, if you've used some of my previous techniques, you would know you should be asking somebody in their previous calls, if you didn't be, if you couldn't move forward, what do you think are the likely one or two reasons? This will help, help you identify what those reasons might be. So you know, is it pricing? Is it budget? Is it value? What, what, the, what the actual problem is? That way that prior to the call, you can talk to yourself, your peers, your manager, whoever, to get an idea of what weapons or tools you have in your arsenal. So when you go to that call, you don't have to sit flat-footed and go, oh, wait, I wasn't prepared for this at all. So identify what you think the actual threats might be and then figure out what weapons you want to bring um, to the fight. So there, well, it, you raise an interesting point there by immediately trying to deduce what the objections are, are going to be that you're going to come up against on this call. Because I'm sure it would be very nice if you picked up the call, you said, hey, we want to do it for this price. And they go, certainly, there we go, deal done. I can't imagine that happens too often, but um, I spoke to Tom Armitage on a webinar recently about objection handling. He came up with the idea of giving the person on the other end of the call the objection that you think it's going to be, like fronting it up. Is it the same case with negotiation then? Totally. What we old school sales would say, don't bring up objections. Try to get yeses as much as you can. The newer school of sales is for sure bring up all the objections, bring up all the issues. So that way you're bringing up all the dirty stuff to to the surface and you can actually deal with it imagine being a therapist and saying like don't don't bring up whatever happened in your childhood we just want to talk about what makes you happy you're not going to end up getting that many major issues resolved so here you want to bring it up the what we typically find also is the person that we're talking to they don't care about the price they're not there's no negative to them to spend a million dollars on your tool but their boss does or their boss's boss or their team or their boss cares about that price, but only as it relates to somebody else's price. So it's not you, you got to bring up these potential objections. So the person can either say, yes, that's going to be an issue or I don't think so, to which you'd be like, well, go find out if it's going to be an issue because it probably is going to be an issue. So then uh, we've we've started to get into the, sort of the resistance that we we anticipate we're going to come up against. Um, a key to all superhero stories is coming up against difficulty and resistance you know the super villains of the piece how do you go about handling difficult or resistant clients in different ways 
Great. Well, I think this actually, the way you, you poise the question brings me to talk about DISC. So if you're not familiar with DISC, it's a communication style. So everybody's either a D, an I, an S, or a C, usually a combination of those things. Ds are very direct. Uh, Is are very, um, they want the spotlight and they're very extroverted, typically. Ss are also typically very extroverted, but they want the spotlight off of them, typically on their team. And Cs are more compliant. So how you want to discuss this would vary completely based on who you're talking to. To a D, you're going to say very directly, if you guys are ready to move forward, you'd move forward right now. If you're saying you're not ready to move forward, what are the three things that are on your mind? Let's not beat around it. To an I, you want to go, listen, I know you have so much on your mind right now. This is so hard for someone like you who's trying to get so many things accomplished, how you want to solve this. So why don't we try to figure out like, what are a couple of things we can make sure you look really good and still get you what you want? I know it's going to be a, kind of a struggle, but let's like just be honest with each other. For an S, you, you want to say, listen, I know that you're trying to get the best tool you possibly can for, for the team. And then really, at the end of the day, we want to make sure we're not hurting anybody, whether it be above you or across from you, whether it's from budget or the tools. So why don't you and I work together to figure out how we get the best tool for the rest of the team? And for Cs, it's a little bit more challenging because they typically hold everything to the best. And so for them, you want to go, listen, I don't want to break any of the rules, but I do want to make sure that I have everything I can internally uh, to give you the best price. So I'm going to give you the best price I have today, and then I'm going to give you the exact things that I would need from you in order to get a better price. But let's not go down that ave avenue um, of requiring more from you until you've decided whether this is or is not the right fit. So those would be the different ways that you approach different people. Okay. How would you? How quickly can you? I mean, presumably it's it's like anything, right? It's like the more you practice, the better you get at it. How quickly can you identify whether they're a D, an INS, or a C? Yeah. So the very quickly, usually within the first one minute of a phone call. Like if you meet somebody, um, you pretty much know immediately. But I'll give you some some tips here. So a D is uh, the one who you typically don't like. Like if you don't like someone, they're probably a D um, because they get in the call and they're just like, can you just get to it? Can you just go to the, the demo? They're very pushing you. And they're usually like, we know what we're doing. So if you don't like them, they're probably a D. If you do like them and you love them, they're probably an I. They're like asking you any questions, they're an I. So if you say to someone, hey, where are you from? And they're like, yeah, I'm from Boston. Where are you from? And they ask you about you, that person's an I. If you say, hey, how are you? Where are you from? And they say, can we just jump into the demo? They're D. Now, if you say, hey, where are you from? And they say, I'm from Boston and, and talk about the rest of the company or they um, – that, let's put it that way. They, they want to kind of push things away from them. That person's an S. And if you talk to someone and they're just very like buttoned up, it's a C. So pushy, uh, brevity about me, about everybody else, uh, buttoned up. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and, and like you and say, usually it's... on my like call docs that I have in front of me that where I'm taking notes, the first thing I put on the page is D I S C. And then as the person <laughs> talks, I just like circle one. So I'm like, okay, this person's a D remember that. So I'm going to switch how I adjust like all the language around everything I'm going to do. So uh, we're talking about, so we've, you've identified a sort of behavior pattern with the person we're, we're talking to at the end of the phone then. Some superheroes have the power of influencing others' behavior. So how can we use persuasive communication techniques to influence the, the party we're negotiating with to increase the likelihood of reaching an agreement? The, the first thing you have to do, and this is something that I think that the majority of reps get wrong, 
is you need to get on their side. The entire sales call, it's you versus them. There's an anxiety of, I think the salesperson is lying to me and I think the, the customer is lying to me. The only way to have a positive negotiation is for the customer, the prospective customer, to think you are on their side. And you should be on their side. Because like I said earlier, the majority of the time, the person you're talking to wants it. And they have problems internally. So the best way that I know to get someone on your side as a way that you can anybody in the world can do is you finish your demo, whatever it is you want to call it, and you literally do this. Okay, so we're done with the demo stuff and all the sales portion. Now we're on to like the project management stuff. So I can kind of take my sales hat off for a second and just talk to you. So what do you, what do you think? This, this isn't my product, but it's just the perfect fit. Okay. So by having that literal change in physicalness of the call, okay, we're done with this mm. portion. It's almost saying to the client, let's reset. I'm no longer the sales rep that you're mad at because I'm probably lying to you. I'm now a different person. My job is now just a project manager. I want to help you figure out for the right fit or not fit. Now that you've seen what it is that we do. To me, that's what helps you get on their side uh, as fast as possible. The second thing I would recommend to get on their side, though, is to show them that you know things about the buying process that they don't know. So if someone were to say to you, um, let's say you're interested in baseball and you're talking to someone about, about baseball and they say, oh, yeah, I love home, you know, uh, when people hit home runs. It's always like, really good to see a field goal go up. You're immediately like, OK, I got to dumb down my language for this person. Because they don't know how baseball works, right? And if, as a sales rep, you say to someone like, okay, you're bringing this internally. Like, can I join the call with your boss? They're like, oh, 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 oh. I got to dumb everything down. I can't tell him everything that's happening. Where if you're the exact opposite. If someone were to, were to explain to you, oh, I can't believe what Barry Bonds did in his third season and on that second pitch of that game, number 32, you'd be like, holy cow, this guy knows a ton about baseball. Now we can kind of talk in shorthand. And I can trust that he knows everything else about baseball, even though he only brought up Barry Bonds. I can trust that he knows a lot about baseball. I can trust this person. So the same thing is true on the sales call. So if you instead on the sales call say something like, listen, when you bring this up to your boss, they're going to say to you, what other tools do we have that we can use instead of buying something new? Why do we have to spend $15,000 on something that effectively just makes your life easier and who else in the team is going to get value out of it aside from you. So when you go to your boss and say that, what do you think you're going to say? What I'm doing there is I'm saying, I know what the boss is going to say in that next meeting. So I probably know all the other stuff too. I know all the other potential pushback you're going to have. I probably have answers to that pushback. So you can trust me to help you go through this process. So first, letting them know you're in a new process. And second, establishing credibility as an authority uh, that you can help them during this next section of the process. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, going in with the, the mindset of, okay, we're on the same side. That probably helps you out a lot more than because, you know, understandably negotiations can get quite fraught and tense and that sort of thing. So totally. if you start out look, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you, but also I, I've done this before. I know what the, the process is going to be. Here's the next steps that's going to happen. Then I think you're absolutely going to win yourself over to their side. I would also like to point out, Mike, that I'm a Brit and even I knew what the mistake was when you were talking about baseball and field goals. So I do pride myself on that one. <laughs> <Bloody>. <laughs> um, so, 
I'm going to throw quite a strange one at you now, quite literally. Sure. So, Doctor Strange may have witnessed 14 million different scenarios where the Avengers lose to Thanos, but he does subtly inform Iron Man that their current plan is the one in one instance in which they succeed. When should you disclose your best offer, and when is it more strategic to hold information back and use it as leverage? Um, so no one is going to move on their side until you've made it seem that you're at your best offer on, on my side. So you need to make sure that you're giving your, your best offer or whatever you're, you're most comfortable with when, um, that person has the ability to move, to do something with it. So really, I don't think I said that very clearly, but when you should give your best offer should be when you think that person can actually do something with it. If you're giving your, your best offer and that person can't go internally to try to find if they can get resources for that, it's a waste. Um, so that's one thing. The, the next thing though, is you want to make sure that you're identifying what the challenge is. And it's typically, if it's a negotiation problem, it's going to be either cash flow. Um, value, timing, um, or risk. So you got to identify which of those problems it is before you figure out what your best offer is going to be in the first place. And then how do you, um, this, this might seem slightly counterintuitive, but what are the warning signs that actually the negotiations, it's not going the way you'd planned when do you know you should walk away? Um, so b- best way to know if you should walk away is if you're providing anything and they're not doing anything in exchange. If you're saying like, I can provide a discount or I can lower the price if you know, but they're not showing up to the next meeting or they're like, great, I'll see what I can do. I would be like, this isn't going to go anywhere. I don't think I even want to negotiate with this person. Um, first of all, um, and a way to identify before that is before you actually offer anything, if you say to someone, I could, if I could do blank, could you do blank? And the answer is anything other than yes, it's probably not worth your time. Because mm-hmm. if I say to you, if they say it's really expensive and I go, if I could bring the price down by 75%, would you guys be able to sign up? And if they said, yeah, well, you know, we'd have to think about it. Now I'm like, well, I can't bring it down anywhere close to 75%. So why are we even talking? Um, or if I could, if I could discount the price, could you guys bring, move forward this month? Um, you know, maybe I'm not going to do it. So that's the, the easiest way to understand is if they can't give you a give after you've given a get, if that makes any sense. Sure. A hundred percent. It's got to be, there's got to be, yeah. Well, let you say give and get on both sides. Right. So that's, that's exactly it. Um, Something that I, I particularly wanted to ask you about, Mike, because on previous podcasts that we've done together, you have uh, come across as a very emotionally articulate and emotionally intelligent person. How do you manage emotions during your negotiation? Because they can get tense. They can get fraught. How do you keep a lid on things? How do you silence any self-doubt that might be occurring to you? What is there anything that you do for that? Uh, I think if I had an answer for that, I'd probably be in a different profession. 
Um, <laughs> I think that if you ask my wife, she'd be like, I just come out of my room and say, God dang it. So I don't think I have a real answer for that. I'm sure there's plenty of <laughs> superheroes who we've seen destroy their, uh, <laughs> they, you know, their, where they live and all that stuff. And I'd say it's some version of that in reality, but turning it off, um, off camera, I will say actually one trick that I, that I have that helps me stay calm in a meeting, uh, believe it or not, especially helps during these zoom calls is I flex my calves and I flex my feet. Like right now I'm doing it and it's a way for me. You have no idea. I'm freaking out down here, but <laughs> you don't know I'm freaking out. I'm able to freak out down here because um, you can't see it, but now I feel a little bit more in control because I'm doing something to get the energy out and I'm right. getting the energy out of this frustration or, or anxiety that I'm feeling in the call. So I don't have a real answer to that. Um, yeah, no idea. But, but your feet are doing a little Dr. Octopus dance. Your feet are doing some dancing. dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a duck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, smooth sailing on top, absolute chaos underneath. Fantastic. Indeed. <laughs> um, there's, we've, we have touched on this, Mike, but I do want to ask you this one. Um, there's very often discourse in sort of the geeky circles that I participate in uh, on like who would win in a fight between X superhero, Y superhero, that sort of thing from different movies sure. and comics who have almost like identical abilities, meaning there's probably going to be some sort of deadlock uh, at some point. How do you handle situations where negotiations reach an impasse or a deadlock or a stalemate? It's just nothing's moving. Yeah, so um, a couple things. The, the first is I try to diffuse the situation. So I will say something to the effect of, ah, this is really frustrating. You know, I know like you really want this and I really want this. What else can we do here? We got to figure this thing out. Mm. So you can see all of my nonverbal. Yeah. It's letting them, I'm not frustrated with them too. I'm not saying like, you're annoying. I'm just like, this is so frustrating. You want my tool. I want to give you my tool, but it's not, we're not able to figure this out. So that can typically, it's like kind of shake the, the thing up a little bit. People want to make you feel better when you seem upset. So when you do that, you, the responses you might get are, um, well, Mike, listen, why don't I, why don't I try this? And you're like, okay, now we're like heading in the right direction. Hmm. And um, even, sorry, carry on. But, no, no, please. No, I was going to say, just even that cue of, okay, here we're going to go. So that even just that motion that you did just then, it's like, okay, we're, we're going to start again. We're going to start get the wheels turning again. Do you know what I mean? It's like they're totally. open to it. So it's not quite the deadlock it was. Sorry, continue. I interrupted you so rudely. Yeah, totally. And then also <laughs> with this, if this comes back to my like uh, idea of like you need to let them think you're at the, you're at the end of your, your rope here. So typically someone won't make a move until you've made it clear that you don't have any more. So one way to, to um, make it clear to them that you're against a brick wall, you can't go any farther because they're going to keep asking and asking and asking and asking and asking and asking and asking. And typical sales reps will say, like, I'll check, 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 even though they can't. And so they have no reason to, to do anything. So you've received all the inertia as an art direction. Mm. So what you want to do is you actually want to use that kind of language like, oh, man, I'm so frustrated because I don't have anything I can do. You know, I'm kind of stuck. Yeah. Or you have your boss write you an email that says, hey, um, this is our lowest price. Like, I'm sorry, they can't work out. Send. I've had reps even argue with me over email and then push that forward, that argument over to, to the clients and be like, listen, I'm trying everything I can um, in there. And I'll, I'll write in the email like, hey, like if, if they can sign by this week or if they can give us three referrals or whatever, um, we can move forward. But whatever. 
So that can help. Another thing that I found can help. So some tactical stuff is you do what I call an eagle to eagle. So in sales, you're the seagull, your client, your prospect is a seagull, your boss is an eagle, their boss is an eagle. What I find is that if you as a sales rep go above your person's head, you're a jerk. You can't go above your guy's head and say, hey, CEO, I know you've had the price in front of you for a month now and you haven't signed. You're a jerk. <laughs> However, if your boss does that exact same thing, nobody's a jerk. Mm. Um, as long as your boss doesn't have you on the email, making it seem as though you told your boss to write the email. So if your boss writes their boss an email saying, hey, I, hey, Eagle, I'm the Eagle over here managing this Seagull. I believe you're an Eagle managing this Seagull. From what I understand, this Seagull is amazing. So when the boss forwards it to them, they're, they're not upset. From what I understand, this Seagull is amazing and we're stuck on pricing. Um, you know, like, is there any, then figure out what you want to say from there. Like we, we, we can do X, can you do Y? Or it sounds like we're, we're at a stalemate. Is there any reason for us to keep moving this forward? Should I tell my Seagull to close lost your deal? Something else you might want to say, but just having the eagle to eagle move out, they usually will push this person to go, hey, we'll figure out this week because my boss just forwarded this to me, which now makes it feel like this is a priority for me because my boss told me to do it versus the sales rep. Yeah, I got you. That makes complete and utter sense, actually, to be honest. But, but also not to take that step to do it to them. So go up to your eagle and then across to theirs. That's fantastic. That's, I do exactly. hope that our audience are making notes on these, Mike, because uh, that was <laughs> absolute gold here. So um, what, what post-negotiation strategies can we implement to ensure like ongoing satisfaction and, and build lasting partnerships with your clients? I'm not sure what you mean. I mean, I think that um, the... The, the short of what I think you're asking me is how do we handle that so we, it doesn't feel like we joke, we both came out of a battle and everybody lost, which is to say, I think similarly to what I said before of using your nonverbal to say, all right, well, we figured this thing out. Listen, you and I are, we worked our butts off on this. And I actually just want to say congrats to you because you had to burn so much social capital internally to get this done. So human to human, Forget sales rep, but if it's a human to human, I know what you did was really hard, and I just appreciate what you did. So I think breaking down that 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 wall again to say, as opposed to sales rep prospect, and then we move to project manager prospect, and then we move to like frustrated person and, and prospect, and at the end, thankful person and prospect um, can get that person to be like, okay, like we got where we needed to go. Outside of that, I mean, typically this is going to be with the CSM, mm. so the sales rep can talk to them, but Nine times out of ten, they're like, "Listen, let me just talk to my CSM now because, like, I don't need to talk to you anymore. I, I've got enough relationships with people. I don't need a new friend." Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd like to think that we've become friends over the, our time of doing this, anyway. Mike, I think but... so as well. <laughs> well, that's all right then, um, Mike. You've uh, you've offered up some incredible value uh, and insights to our audience here, as you always do. Uh, I am going to start to wrap up our conversation to successfully navigate negotiation nightmares what is the one key piece of advice you'd like to leave everybody here with today i've got to give you two go on i'll let you i'll allow it all right cool (laughs) so the first thing you have to do is if they're negotiating with you you need to figure out why are they negotiating is it a cash problem we have a cash flow issue in which case you want to spread the payments is it a budgeting timing issue in which case you have to change the date of the payment is it a value issue, in which case you need to provide case studies or references or um, include more features or, or whatever solutions into, you, into your offering? Um, or is it a risk issue, 
in which case you just need to offer an opt-out. So that's the first thing, identify what the actual issue is because discounting or negotiating on price doesn't necessarily always solve the problem. The second thing you need to do once you know that it is a pricing problem is figure out where their target number is. So I'm going to give you the um, the ability to see through or read minds. I'm not sure which X-Man this is, but the ability to read minds. So when someone says it's too expensive or they give you some indication that the price you're at is too expensive, here's what you want to do. You say it's 10000 They say it's too expensive, which means effectively they're at zero. So you want to say, oh, man, do you need us at like half that price? So you're now putting a, a, a little arrow in the ground at five 5000 and just listen. And they'll probably say like, I mean, that'd be great. You know, okay, so now they can probably afford more than five. And I go, one more time. Oh, so it sounds like you probably need us at like 7,500 bucks or something then. And then they'll say like, yeah, I mean, at least. And so now I need to, I know I need to get them to like 6,500 to $7,500 is like my sweet spot. So I've read your mind to identify what your actual target number is. Now, can I discount to that number? Maybe, maybe not. Will I discount to that number? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But if I know where their number is, when I go to negotiate, I have a much better idea of what my target is versus discounting 10%, then 20, then 30, then 40, then asking my boss to like take my commission away. You know what I mean? So (laughs) read their first, identify the problem, then read their minds. Fantastic. Professor X, but I'm, I'm sure you knew that, Mike, that uh, who can read minds from the X-Men, so, or even Jean Grey, I guess. But uh, Mike, thank you so much for sharing your B2B superpowers with us today. Remember to keep an eye on Lead Forensic Socials for news of our upcoming B2B superpowers webinars, and we will see you again very, very soon. Mike, thanks very much. Take care. Well, there we go, Mike Manzi on how to handle negotiating Thanks again to Mike for joining me and thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to the B2B Sales Playbook podcast wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star rating where possible. We'll be back next week with another B2B Sales Playbook podcast. Oh, 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 o